So in these uh, weeks of July, we are listening, attending to uh, a few of the passages of Paul's write, uh, read letters to the early churches. This morning, we are uh, attending to a word that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. I'm going to read to you uh, from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Then we are going to sing together the, the first verse, which will be on the screen of Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Uh, and then I'll um, share with you some words, my thoughts on this. And then following the sermon, we will sing the second verse. And we're reminded that the scripture is a light and a lamp for our lives. <clears throat> so I begin. Chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, and the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us now sing together, Thy Word is a Lamp. that is our prayer, that your word would continue to be a lamp, a light for our way. Open us this morning to that light, that guidance, that presence in our midst that we might leave here uh, more able to discern your will for our lives. Amen. 
Dave and I have had the opportunity over the last week to be with three of our uh, grandsons. Uh, with our grandson, Kai, we spent six days with him while um, our daughter, Leanne, and her husband were away at a conference. Kai is a fabulous three-and-a-half-year-old who loves cars, trains, and anything with wheels. He really loves wheels. He's also started to be really interested in letters, uh, sounds of letters. He asks throughout the day, what does truck start with? What does book start with? And he's starting to sound things out. It's really quite a marvel. But he's only three, so some things make no sense, because some things actually make no sense about our language in English language to us as adults. What does car start? What does car start with? Okay, start to sound it out, right? Teachers everywhere, now you go, ka, ka. Well, his name is Kai, and it starts with a K. So what does car start with? Oh, it, sound, it, start, it sounds like a K, but it's a C. Okay. So then you're making dinner and you're making salad. What does carrot start with? Oh, that's, a, that's a, also a C. How about celery? Oh, that, that's, also a, that's, that's also a C, right? So he's three. He's three. He's just starting to get the idea of letters and sounds. Now, what we can hope for him and, and all of our little people, right, is that they'll grow and they'll learn. Whether you've been a teacher, a parent, a grandparent, a good friend to a small person, you know that, that is what, that's what you nurture in them. New words, new skills, new ways of navigating the world so that when years go by, Kai will understand that C has no sound of its own that it borrows a sound from an S or a K. That's what we expect of children. But not always do we have the same expectation of adults, and especially about our lives of faith. Early in my ministry, I had a conversation with an older gentleman in the church, and we were talking about the understanding of Scripture. And this wonderful, faithful person told me this. I believe the Bible the way my grandmother taught me to believe it when I was eight years old. While I honor this deep faith rooted in family, I also challenge it. I also challenge it. Because you see, our scripture verse for this morning, the verse I want to highlight and have us like think about and pray with, is that line where it says, with the verse in, in this passage, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. By the renewing of your minds. Why? So, so that you may discern what is the will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be open. Be open to new information, to new insights, to new ideas. Why? It just said that. So that you and I individually and as a community of faith can discern the will of God. It's not just information or new ideas for the purpose of our own selves or so for the purpose that we're in vogue with anything. No. It is let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern, think through, uh, pray with, honor what the will of God is for us. So I, I have two examples for our lives here at Stone and for those who join us remotely. 
two examples of how we do this and are going to plan on doing this moving forward. First, you hear regularly about that we're having a safe sanctuaries training. Safe sanctuaries is the name of a broad set of policies and practices that provide guidance for how we as United Methodist Church care for and protect our children, our youth, and our vulnerable adults and volunteers. These policies include such things as having windows in our classrooms, which our trustees here have uh, faithfully honored that and have, have, have done that over the years. Um, we continue to have a, in place a practice that, that we have followed where whenever we have an activity with children, youth, or vulnerable adults, there's two unrelated adults present. Now, I haven't heard this at Stone, but I have heard this in other places. That's not the way we used to do it. And we all turned out okay. We all turned out okay. If we can't trust people in the church, then who can we trust? These are both real, uh, real inclinations, but we also have new information. Um, we have better ways of protecting our most beloved little ones. Because what we've seen personally and what we um, continue to observe through the news is that people of every denomination have struggled with abuse with inside churches. And we don't want to be those. We never, want, we never want us here at Stone to be that story, right? No, we want to honor and protect our children, our youth, our vulnerable adults, our volunteers. And so we have learned new things. We have begun new practices. Uh, July 31st, what, is that two weeks? Three weeks, three weeks from today. We're going to have a safe sanctuaries training in uh, Miller Parlor, I, I point this way, um, following worship. I would encourage you, if you have not already taken this, it's an hour. Uh, Leanne Vineski, one of our wonderful volunteers here, leads it. If you haven't already done it, even if you don't feel yourself called to volunteer uh, with children or youth, go, come, be interested, you know, find out what is this practice? What, what, are, we, what are we abiding by? So that we can be like that, like that story that I read to Emmeline and the kids who are joining us. That we would be like Jesus. Let the children come to us. Let the children come to us. For to them belong the kingdom of heaven. The second example. Big unfolding story in the United Methodist denomination. We are going to need more information here at Stone. Over the next few years, this is nothing immediate. But over the next few years, to discern God's will for us as a congregation. So our current configuration of United Methodist was born in 1968. It was a merger of the Evangelical Brethren Church and the Methodist Church that over the decades had been mergers of other smaller denominations. From the beginning, 55, almost 55 years ago, the understanding of United Methodism was that we would be a big tent denomination, that a lot of people could stay together with a lot of difference. But that's no longer the case. In the spring, May of this year, the United, there, a new Methodist denomination was launched, the Global Methodist Church. 
general conference, which was originally scheduled for 2020, has now been postponed again till 2024. The first time in the history of Methodism that we've gone this long without a general meeting of the church. That body is going to make important decisions about what the remaining United Methodist Church will look like and how churches who don't decide to stay in the denomination can leave. There's already a conversation within our conference and our local churches about this. While headlining, while, and I, while headlining this split in the denomination is uh, concerns around the ordination of called and qualified LGBTQ persons for ministry and the right of United Methodist clergy like myself to perform same-sex uh, marriages for same-sex couples. But there's other issues that have also emerged that are significant. What is the role of bishops? How about the appointment process for clergy? The power of clergy to determine who can and cannot be a member of the church. And a creedal obedience. We've never been a church that said, a denomination that said, you absolutely have to believe these 12 things to be United Methodist. Um, that looks a little different for the new global Methodist church. Either way, however this church decides over these next, probably it'll look like two or three years, however we look at the end of that time, it's going to come out from you all. It's going to come out from our broader leadership to say, this is what we have, what, wait, renewed our minds? We've renewed our minds. We've taken in new information. We've had open conversation with another. We've been guided through this so that we can discern the will of God. I love that. That is so important. We're not just doing this because it is a random act. We're doing it so that we can discern the will of God. Meaningful discussion, honest conversation, informed by facts and information. So we need our minds to be renewed to do this. That's what we'll be called to do, to be transformed so that we can transform others. To be transformed so that we can be transformers. So much more. But this we hold on to and let go of this morning. That the word will guide us, that our conversations with one another, that we'll be open. And we don't think about this very often anymore. But the uh, motto for the United Methodist Church has been for decades. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. I still claim that for us this morning, that we'll go forth to discern the will of God.